Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Encounters with Jesus. They never leave us the same, do they? Well, we're studying through those that have encountered Jesus through the scriptures and how he changed them. And one of them today is going to be a man named Nicodemus. You possibly know a lot about him. Well, you can't know too much because not much is written about him. And he's only in John's gospel. He's not in Matthew. He's not in Luke. He's not in Mark. He's just in John's gospel. And John felt his story was important enough to add him into his gospel. At first glance, Jesus' resume, well, it's not all that spectacular. He never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his hometown. He he never wrote a book. He, He never held any political office. He never married. He never went to college. He never visited a really big city. And he never, ever won any kind of a sporting event. Yet everywhere he went, he changed lives. And everywhere he went, he raised the curiosity of people, much like Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He was also part of the Sanhedrin, which meant that he was a part of the ruling council over the Jewish people. But there was something inside of Nicodemus that, well, it raised his curiosity. You know, last week we saw in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And that word for word was the word logos. And that word meant logic human purpose, or source of significance. Now, the reason I wanted to go back there was because in first chapter of John, it tells us who really Jesus was. And then he calls Philip that we saw last week. And after Philip gets called by Jesus, Philip does what we're supposed to do. He calls Nathaniel. Philip was saved, not just to be saved, but he was saved so he could save others. And he tells Nathaniel, come and see for yourself who the Lord is. Now, while all of this is going on, Nicodemus, he's in the shadows. He's watching this because, man, if he went to meet with Jesus, that's why he went to him at night. If he went to him in daylight, if someone actually saw Nicodemus around Jesus, Nicodemus would have lost his position and he would have been banned from the Sanhedrin, and of course, banned from the Pharisees. So here he is. He's watching. No doubt he heard about Philip and Nathaniel. He's watching John chapter 2, water becomes wine. He's watching the temple. Again, he's one of the leaders over the temple. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus is furious. Why? Because people had turned the house of God, the house of prayer, into a swap meet. They're selling uh, chickens and they're selling cattle. They're also selling doves for the sacrifice. And people would come and buy the doves, and those doves would then be sacrificed for their sins. 
And historians tell us that people were actually scamming people out of money. They were exchanging money for different currencies as people came to the temple from other regions and shortchanging them. Jesus was furious on how people were being treated. And he was furious above all that they'd taken the house of God, the house of prayer, and turned it into, as one Bible says, a den of thieves. So, anger in his heart, he takes the tables and throws them over and scatters the money everywhere. And Nicodemus would have been seeing all this happen in front of him. Wow. By the way, the Passover season, the time to, to celebrate what God had done in saving many lives, and all of the religious leaders would have been there. Nicodemus in the shadows, taking note of all that is going on. And there's something that happens deep inside his soul. You remember Jesus also said, he said, listen, if this temple is destroyed, I will raise it back in three days. And the people are saying, are you crazy? It took us 46 years to build this temple. But Jesus wasn't talking about the physical temple. He was talking about his spiritual temple, himself being the temple of God. Nicodemus would have heard him say that. And his curiosity was now high. If you're a note taker, just write down that word, curiosity. Because the Bible tells us now in John chapter 3, this, this one who'd been in the shadows, who'd heard of Jesus, who saw what he did, now goes and asks him a direct question. There was a man named Nicodemus, verse 1 and 2, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Now, the Pharisees were upset at Jesus. Why? Because he's gathering people with him. And they're frankly losing their market share. Some of your friends don't understand much about you and why you would follow after Jesus and why you would learn more from him and why you would want to serve him and be a part of Jesus' church. So he comes at night, this devoutly religious man. I can see him. Can you? <laughs> He's hiding in the shadows. Probably has a, a hood over his head. Lest anyone would see him. Now, his name appears on the elite list of Torah scholars. He's dedicated his whole life to the law and occupies one of the 71 seats of the Judean Supreme Court. This is important. He had clout. He had credentials. Yet something keeps nagging at him. The curiosity of Jesus. And when he comes to the Lord, he begins his inquiry. Rabbi, verse 2, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. He's making a declaration of his faith. Now, Nicodemus hoped that Jesus could answer his questions. 
What he didn't realize is that Jesus is the answer to his question, just like he is the answer to all of our questions. Nicodemus, dry, dead religion doesn't work. Rituals and routine and rules never change a heart apart from Jesus. And Jesus wants to change us. Now, something happens in Nicodemus' heart, and it's called confusion. That's the second thing you can write down, confusion. Maybe you've been there. As this encounter progresses, Jesus skips the the idle chit-chat and gets right to the heart of the matter. John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no way from here to there. There's nothing that will get, Nicodemus, nothing will get you there. Now, Nicodemus lives in the land of good efforts, sincere gestures, and hard work. And Jesus comes almost like on the other side of the chasm and says, it's not by works, lest anyone should boast. Jesus makes no mention of Nicodemus's VIP status, his good intentions, his academic credentials, because in Jesus' economy and in Jesus' theology, none of that matters. It's not your position or your pedigree. You must be born again. <laughs> Nicodemus speaks for the rest of us. I mean, the first time we ever hear it, you must be born again. When he says in John 3, 4, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? <laughs> They're speaking different languages. Different languages. You know, many of you know that I'm a, I'm a car guy, and, and um, I know quite a bit about Chevrolets. That's what I know about it. And if you're into other cars, sorry, I just know a lot about Chevys. Grew up around them. A lot of my friends had them. And, and, and 1970, there was something kind of remarkable that happened. Well, there was a car. It was the Chevy Nova. And uh, here's a Nova from you know, back in the day, and it looks pretty cool. But what happened is that Chevy started to uh, export them into South America and Mexico. And they wouldn't sell. Well, the word Nova in Spanish means no go (laughs) or not going. Could you imagine? Hey, buy this car that's called a no go. It's not going. And the sales were dismal. Now, as silly as that illustration is, Jesus was speaking one language, and Nicodemus was speaking another. Jesus was saying, be born again spiritually. And Nicodemus says, how can I, a grown man, crawl back into my mother's womb? Physical birth? But he explains in John 3, verse 6 to 8, human life comes from you and parents, but spiritual life comes from the Spirit. Don't be surprised when I tell you, you must, emphasis on must, be born again. The wind blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it is going. 
It is the same with every person who is born from the Spirit. And dear ones, this really is the cry of God. That all of us are born again of the Spirit. Not by works. Not by position. Not by pedigree. But by the finished work of the cross. That great memorable gift that we celebrated during communion today. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to understand that true religion isn't just about rules and rituals. It's something invisible and intangible that happens inside you. Still not quite getting the picture, John 3.9, Nicodemus asked, how are these things possible? And Jesus answers by leading him to the key of salvation. <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's the treasure of the Scripture. It's the hope diamond of the Scriptures. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And of course, He went on to say, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Nicodemus, even though you're a religious leader, and even though you and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin are against me, I'm not condemning you. Well, what a great statement. See, God doesn't condemn any of us from our past. God doesn't condemn any of us because of our doubt or even our confusion. Nicodemus had confusion. But he gives us the way to salvation. And, and I love it. We can simplify it. I mean, we can write this verse on a napkin. And we can write these four little phrases down too. He loves, he gave, we believe, we live. He loves, he gave, we believe, we live. That's the gospel in a nutshell. He loves, so he gave his son. We believe in Him. We will not perish. We will live and have everlasting life. See, religion says God loves you if you. If you do this, we'll do that. But Jesus announces for God so loved the world. He already loves us. Now, the third point is kind of interesting. You could write it down. Conversion, question mark. We have no evidence that Nicodemus was converted at this very juncture in his life. We, we don't know that. There's no uh, baptism. There's no uh, statement of proclamation. I believe in Jesus. Not there. Interestingly, though, we do know this about Nicodemus. He started in the shadows. He encountered Jesus. And he moved back into the shadows. Hmm. Jesus says it's, it's, it's spirit versus flesh. It's faith versus religion. Was it too much for Nicodemus? We don't know. But what we do know is this. If you go ahead to John chapter 19, verse 38 to 42. Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple. Notice that phrase. A secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders. Did Joseph fear Nicodemus? Did Nicodemus fear 
Joseph? But they asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. And when Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus. An interesting request. While the other disciples of Jesus, those that were out in the light, were locked away for fear of their own lives, here comes two secret disciples. Now, when I said earlier, don't know what happened as far as conversion in Nicodemus, but there is a little bit of a glimmer of light on his story. Because it said he was a secret Notice that word, disciple. John wanted us to be sure that Nicodemus was a disciple, a follower of Christ. But here they are asking for the body of Jesus. Now, Nicodemus, like Joseph of Arimathea, would have known that to touch a corpse in the Jewish law deemed you unclean for seven days. You'd be an outcast. And oftentimes, history records that people that touched a corpse of the Jewish faith were, were, were then ostracized from a certain community or even the family. And then to think beyond that, how would they get the blood off of their clothes? And how would they make sure that they could be deemed clean again? Just a side note. But Nicodemus brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and alloys. Following Jesus' burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near the garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. For 16 chapters, we're left wondering about Nicodemus. What did he do with Jesus? When did he become a disciple? After John 3 and hearing, for God so loved the world? And if we want to probe a little deeper, I think it's good for the sake of learning and conversation. Was this act of Nicodemus going back into his works? I will at least come and bury the body of Jesus. I will at least come with, with spices. Was it work? Or was it love? For God so loved, Nicodemus now comes with a heart of love. Here's an interesting thing to know. That now he comes out of the shadows, 16 chapters later, and will always be remembered for John 3, but also remembered as the one who came and begged for the body of Jesus. Question, why did he go silent? Don't know. Was he afraid? We do know that. By the way, he was a part of the Jewish court. He would have been in the audience or possibly seated near the front as the trial of Jesus was going on. Why didn't he stand up? Why didn't he say, I find no fault in this man? 
Why didn't he say, I saw the miracles that he did. Like when he came to Jesus, you're the son of God. What happened to his faith? You see, Jesus can change us no matter what our life situation. He can give us peace and hope and joy in the most desperate circumstances of our lives. But we cannot remain in the shadows. At some point, if you remain in the shadows, your actions become shady. I want to ask you a couple questions. Where are we keeping our faith in Jesus in the shadows? Where are we not using our influence and our power to present the gospel to others? We have no recorded documents that declare that Nicodemus went and preached the gospel. Philip, come and follow me. <laughs> Jesus asked him, and he did. Nathaniel, you, you, you come. Can anything good come from Nazareth? No. I'm not going to follow the Nazarene. No way. And then Philip looks in the eyes of Nathanael. Come and see. And Nathanael comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, I saw you under the fig tree. Wow, how did you know I was there? A realization that he's God. Philip. Proclaimed the gospel. Nicodemus, he went silent. He lived in the shadows. I wonder what it was like for Nicodemus to be a religious leader and the thoughts that he had about Jesus. Did they run against the, the grain of who he was? Was he afraid to give up his position? Did Nicodemus speak up for Jesus? when Jesus needed him the most. So the question again, where are we keeping our faith in Jesus in the shadow? Where are we not using our influence and our power to present the gospel to others? See, we all need this life-changing encounter. But we also need, dear ones, a boldness to not be afraid. In this season we're living in, People need the good news of Christ more than ever. How will they hear? How will they know? How will your loved ones find the Savior who loved them so much that he gave himself for their life? You are the messenger. You are the evangelist. People often say, that word evangelist sounds like just somebody on TV. No, uh, the word evangelist is uh, evangelion. It has an angelic sound to it, but it simply means messengers. And we're the messengers, folks. LFC is a group of messengers. The body of Christ in Lompoc and in Santa Barbara County and throughout the world, we're the messengers. And no one, could force us to live in the shadows. Don't you live there. Let your light shine. Use your influence. Use your place in people's lives to let them know of the good news of Christ. Let's pray together. Well, dear God, where does this, this story of Nicodemus bring us? 
to an uncomfortable reality that there's a bit of Nicodemus inside of all of us. When we're hesitant, Lord, to respond to your grace, when we're shy about our faith, when we know that others are desperate to hear the gospel, we can behave like Nicodemus did. But Lord, would you give us fresh courage in these days that we would declare the goodness of the Lord and invite others to come and see. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you today to call upon Him. Let John 3.16 be our verse. For God so loved you, for God so loved you that He gave His only Son. He gave because He loved and we believe that we can live. Would you believe in him today, the one who died on the cross, who rose again from the dead? And if you would just let us know, you could text Decide Jesus, all one word, to 555-888. Just Decide Jesus, to 555-888. We'd love to celebrate with you and send you some materials to get you on your way. But for all of us, I pray that God would give us the strength to love like never before, to serve like never before, and to share our faith like never before. I thank you so much for being with us today. I also want to invite you Tuesday night at 6 p.m. for our next study in the Psalms. And don't forget, if you're available this week, email us, office at lompofoursquare.com. We're helping our schools, and we frankly need your help too. Have a great and wonderful day and a great and wonderful week. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.